Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Hey guys, morning. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys, and uh, man, I just love being with you, and I love having the opportunity to share the word of God with you this morning. I'm excited. I feel like the Lord's giving me a word. And uh, church should be fun, amen? Like, who said church couldn't be fun? Like, whoever they were, like, tell me, and I'm gonna go talk to them. Uh, And I'm gonna give them the business. Uh, uh, Life's too short not to have fun. I believe Jesus was the happiest person in the universe. Just throwing that in there, that's for free. That's not part of the message. Uh, But I really believe that when we have a revelation of Jesus, it should change us. It should change our countenance. Just as the, the face reflects the soul, our, our, our souls, when we've been transformed by Jesus, it should come out in the way that our faces literally look. And so sometimes I'll pray over my face and say, Jesus, help my face look like yours, Jesus. That's not crazy, but I'm telling you, just try it. It works. I'm telling you. You start getting happy, and uh, you, that frumpiness just starts to go. I don't know. It just happens. Uh, it's a miracle. So... Um, yeah, so I want to start off just by giving a shout out to my awesome family. Got a picture of them up here. Uh, they are awesome. Uh, and Mason on the left, we got, make sure I got it straight, Reagan in the middle, and then Rose here, I guess on your right, and uh, then Rachel there, my beautiful wife. So, so thankful for them. I couldn't do what I do with, without them and their love and support. So we've been walking through this series, uh, walking through the scriptures together, and uh, man, I hope you found it really helpful and inspiring. And uh, as we've been looking at this grand narrative of Scripture, we've, doing, been, we've been talking about all these huge concepts and working through the Scriptures uh, systematically here. And I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God today, but there's so much I'm going to talk about, but there's also so much that I'm not going to be able to get to. And so we're going to whet your appetite. I'm going to hope hopefully whet your appetite, hopefully through the series we've whetted your appetite for the story of God. But in order for you to really get it, you're gonna have to go to the word yourself and you're just gonna have to start ingesting it for yourself. Um, I grew up in a church and every, pa- every Sunday our pastor would stand up and he'd have everybody stand up and hold up their Bibles and uh, then we'd read the scriptures together. There's power here. And, but I'm gonna try to help you enter into this. I'm gonna hopefully build some anticipation, but you've gotta go there yourself. And so coming out of today, I wanna really encourage you to dive into the book of Matthew. uh, And it talks about the kingdom of God and it's everywhere. Um, Sometimes as a pastor, people will ask me, uh, hey, Micah, what version of the Bible uh, do you like to read? And uh, I always quote Yancey Smith. I don't know if he's here today, but he says the, the best, ver-, he's a Bible translator. And uh, the best version of the Bible is the, the version that you actually read. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, now, I do like the NIV. I do like the NRSV to read. Those are some of my favorites. I love the message for a little contemporary application. Uh, but we've got to get into the word. And so, for, I mean, the last 20 years, my, my diet has been a psalm, a proverb, two chapters in the Old Testament, and one chapter in the New. It's just a healthy, balanced diet, and I go through the Bible just over a year, and it just keeps, keeps my soul uh, fresh. It keeps my walk with God alive, and so I just want to encourage you guys to go to the Word yourselves. In this series, uh, we've, we've described the series as, uh, as, this series is about learning to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus and how we as individuals and as a people fit into the story of God. I want you to notice it's not 
fitting the Bible into our experience. It's actually the opposite. We're fitting our experience into the word of God and the story of God that the Bible tells us about. That's a hugely important distinction because it's not about us. It's not, hey, newsflash, it's not about you. I'm sorry. You're awesome. You're loved by God. You're child God, but it's not about you. Uh, and I need to be reminded of that regularly uh, when I get uh, all uptight. And uh, my, my wife reminds me of that sometimes. You just need to relax. Uh, and so, man, the, the Bible points us to Jesus and it helps us to understand this story we find ourselves in. But the thing is, this story isn't over. It's still being written. And it's not just a story of an ancient culture that happened way long ago. Man, this is our story. And so we need to own it. So I want to encourage you, like, let's own this together. Uh, let's own this story. And just as uh, significant as your family heritage, uh, like, why do people love Ancestry.com so much? Like, it's like a multi, y'all know it's like a multi-million dollar organization, uh, it's because people are interested in knowing their family heritage and legacy, but not just having that knowledge and information because they want to know how it influences who they are today. And they want to have a clue to their purposes in, to, in, the, in the days to come. How much more beautiful is it that we are a part of this family heritage of the story of God? How much more should we want to know this story and learn about it and study it so that we understand ourselves better and so that we have hope for the future. That's what we're gonna to try to do today. As a recap, I thought it would be helpful to just uh, give an overview of where we've been at and what the subjects we've been touching on in this series. We started off through the lens of Jesus. We went to, uh, then to the triune God creates creation. We talked about the fall. We talked about the Abrahamic covenant, uh, blessed to be a blessing. We've talked about, Graydon talked about the Exodus, how, um, then Jamie talked about the story of Israel through the prophets, the word becoming flesh last week, Jim, on the incarnation. Then today, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And so it's a really big Sunday because we're at a transition point here as we're moving into Jesus' central message. So, I, man, I grew up in an awesome church, and, but I don't know how much I heard the kingdom of God being talked about. Uh, may, Maybe there was, and I just missed it. Probably, that's probably what happened. But this, this is Jesus' central message. Like, ah, oh man, I've, I've been in church a lot, but that's really, yes. This really, really is Jesus' central message. And as I was preparing, like, this sermon has humbled me. <laughs> um, because um, I, it's such a huge topic, and I'm like, I just want to do this justice, Lord. And I, I don't want to sell you short. And how do, I, how do I preach a mystery? Um, the, the idea of the kingdom is now and not yet. It's a mystery. And we're not gonna get to the end of it today. I wish we could, but that's what makes it worth talking about, right? Is that it's a mystery and that it's still unfolding in our midst. So I'm gonna lay the foundation here and then we're just gonna trust that the Holy Spirit is gonna work it out in you uh, by his grace. And um, so I'm not going to be able to unpack everything about what it means to be a kingdom person, but I do hope to translate that the kingdom has come close and it's going to have some implications on you and us as a community. So I want to start off with a, just a few metaphors because that's what Jesus did when he talked about the kingdom. He used parables. It's like, Jesus, really? Like, 
help a brother out, man. Like, parables are hard, man. There's, like, when you're trying to preach, you're like, I'm just a linear person. I just like, give me three easy steps and I'll do it, all right? Uh, And I'll do it to a T. But Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing that, bro. Like, I'm gonna make you press into me. I'm gonna make you press into my heart. And, and, And so much of that, like, God, just tell me what to do. Like, I just wanna know what to do. And he's like, No, I'm not going to do it that way because I want you to press into me along the journey. It's going to force us to be dependent upon him. My buddy Harrison over here uh, was at the Oscars last week, no joke, Uh, uh, as a seat filler on the bottom level. Something happened, and in case y'all didn't know, there's some stuff that went down at the Oscars, go look on YouTube. and so you know what he did when he got back? I said, the first thing I said was, dude, what was it like? Like, you got to tell me, like, what was it like? Like, I saw it on Twitter, but like, what was it like being there? So my other friends were at Pebble Beach this week playing some golf. And I got, they got back and I said, what was it like? I won't be at the Oscars, but I'm going to Pebble Beach one day. In Jesus' name. Uh, so, but, but why, why do I ask? I've seen Pebble Beach on TV, but, but there's something about someone who's been there. And so when Jesus comes and he starts talking about, hey, the kingdom of God is like, it's because he's been there. So who do I want to hear about the kingdom from? I want to hear about the kingdom from the person who's been there. Who do I want to hear about the Oscars from? I want to hear about the Oscars from the person who's been there. Jesus is he's telling us something because he's got authority to tell us about it because he's been there. So as, as, as we're standing here, it's like, I feel like I'm standing in front of like a Monet picture and and I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to paint that. I don't know how he did that. But I just know it's beautiful. Can't put words on it. It's like standing in front of the Pacific Ocean. It's like, I don't know how God did that. But it's beautiful. And he's calling me out into the waters. He's calling me out into the deep. Jesus is calling you into the depths of his heart today. So we're just going to sit around the campfire. We're just going to talk about it today. Jesus declares himself to be the king of kings, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is here and now. He calls people to participate in, expand, and eagerly anticipate his kingdom coming in response through repentance and belief. Um, I am a linear thinker, so I'm just going to give you some points. uh, And uh, if you like to take notes, you can write these down. And then I'm just going to talk about it a little bit. So Jesus is king. The kingdom of God is here and now. We have an invitation to participate in and expand this kingdom. And the kingdom is also coming. It's now and not yet. Jim did a great job talking about the incarnation last week and uh, the significance of it. And he asked this beautiful question. We know why Jesus died, but do we know why he lived? And I'm not going to answer that fully, but I'm going to try to do my best to talk about that because I I believe Jesus lived to bring the kingdom. And Jesus makes this claim to be king uh, and that his kingdom is not of this world, but that it's here and it's going to last forever. 
And when we hear this term king, we can sometimes write it off as just, you know, in the by and by, uh, not really relevant to us here today. So I thought, you know, I used to be a youth pastor, so I'm going to try to make it a little more culturally relevant. Uh, uh, and so I'm a Texan, um, and uh, I got the driver's license to prove it. And uh, you don't have to be here long. Uh, you don't even have to live here very long to know how Texans feel about their state. It's almost as bad as Aggies and their university. <laughs> Told you. Uh, and so when Rachel, Rachel's not from South Dakota, and when she uh, moved here, she was like, she was like, man, these people are like really into themselves. <laughs> Jesus saved, Texas raised. I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. We've all seen them. Uh, so Texas pride is a real thing, uh, and you can learn a lot about a person just from knowing their culture and where they're from. Uh, and man, I love me some tacos, amen? Uh, and so Texas has its own unique uh, culture, and I think it's, it's beautiful. Uh, but I also own a passport, uh, and I belong, you know, I'm a citizen of the United States, and so uh, I have dual citizenship. And so I think it's a great analogy for us in the sense that, man, our citizen, the Philippians tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. And so just like I am a resident of Texas and concurrently a citizen of the United States, I am a resident of this world. You and I are residents of this world, but we're also, our citizenship is in heaven. And that's our primary citizenship. And so we're in this world, but we're not of this world. So every four years, a new president uh, is elected or reelected, and they host a presidential inauguration to demonstrate and signify the transfer of power. Um, and so everyone knows who the new president's going to be, even, uh, and they look to them that way, even though they don't have any formal power when they're elected. It's not until the inauguration that they receive that power. And so how do, when that person uh, is inaugurated, how do they spend their time? Well, they, they spend their time talking about, like, they, they understand that they're in power, formally in power in that moment, but they spend their time talking about the future because they have assurance that, hey, they're going to be in power for the next four years, and so that's how they spend their time talking. Spend the majority of the time not talking about that day. They spend the majority of the time talking about the future. I think it's a great analogy for us because Jesus was was chosen before the creation of the world. So that was his election. And then his incarnation is his inauguration. And, and, and Jesus shows up and, and, he, and he starts, so he starts talking. He realizes that he's in power now. Like he understands that. He's not unclear about that. But he also spends time talking about his, his kingdom, his rule that is coming in the future. It's not at the expense of the fact that he's in power right now. But it's because he's in power right now that he wants to talk about what's coming in the future. If the Romans loved anything, it was their power and control. They were a polytheistic culture. They weren't intimidated by the Israelites' religious views. You know what they were intimidated and afraid of? They were afraid of the Jews rising up and usurping the Romans. Power was their God. And so that's why the Romans just dismissed Jesus. <laughs> they just, dis you're a fool. Like, who cares? Like, nobody, you don't have any military might or authority or power. Like, Pilate barely even knew who Jesus was. 
uh, they weren't intimidated, but Jesus knew who he was. And it's important that we know who Jesus is because it's gonna carry implications in the way that we relate to him, how we regard his authority, his power, and his nature. And so to be a king means that you have power and you have a king kingdom. Anybody that claims to be king but doesn't have a kingdom is a fraud. They're an imposter. They're just a wannabe. Jesus was very secure in his identity and he was very uh, clear about his purpose. And so to be a king means to have power, control, and dominion over others. It implies you have a kingdom. And so kingship and kingdom are inexorably linked. They're linked together. And so wherever the king rules, there's where his kingdom is. And so Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom. And so Matthew, like we've walked through the story, Matthew in Matthew chapter one, uh, he starts off his gospel by saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abraham. He's not holding back, y'all. He's saying, hey, this is the guy. Everything that the scriptures have talked about, just as Jesus on the road to Emmaus said, they all point to me. So Matthew is establishing that right out of the gate. And then he tells the story of the Magi and the wise men coming uh, to anoint Jesus. Where's this king? And they go to King Herod. And so kings don't like it when you come to them talking about other kings. And so Herod is under the idea, he, he doesn't get it. He, he thinks that in order for me to be in control, you can't be Jesus. He doesn't understand this idea that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And so what does he do? He resorts to violence. Vladimir Putin doesn't understand this concept. He doesn't get it. He thinks that he has to expand his kingdom through violence, not understanding that he's really not in control. And so, so Jesus uh, comes on the scene as king. And, and we're gonna see through, as we walk through the book of Matthew, that Matthew is gonna unpack this uh, to a greater extent. And so John the Baptist, he preaches this message, right, of the kingdom is here. Notice the term kingdom. It's just all over the place. If you read through the book of Matthew, it's in there 54 times. It's just everywhere. Like, so read through the book of Matthew and just look for the, the, how much kingdom is used and read it for yourself. And John the Baptist's message is repent. The kingdom of God has come near. I don't know about y'all, but all the dumb things I've done in my life are because I was lonely. Just think about it. All the dumb things I've done in my life that I regret is because I was lonely. I didn't know that, the key, I didn't know that Jesus was near to me. Or I knew it in my head, but I didn't believe it in my heart. Kingdom of God is near. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's with you. I think John the Baptist was just, he didn't know how to say it all. I'm sure he said more than that. But like that was it. Like that was his message. And so if the kingdom of God was near, it means that the kingdoms are in conflict. So Jesus is baptized and then he's tempted and he's taken out in the desert, led by the Holy Spirit out in the desert, and he, and he begins to be tempted by the devil. And what does the devil do? He tempts him with the kingdoms of this world. He says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. 
And so he was offering what Jesus would ultimately, like he had it already, but he was, he's also going to establish that, that worldly power, right? So it's a, it's, it's a dynamic, right? Like the devil is tempting him with it because he knows it's significant. And so what we're talking about here is we're talking about kingdoms in conflict. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. There is a battle going on and Jesus has come to displace the enemy. He's very clear. His battle is not against people. It's about against the devil. And he's saying, I'm, you, you want me to take it uh, without going to the cross and going through the suffering, but I'm not gonna do it that way. I'm gonna do it differently. I'm not gonna take the shortcut. I'm gonna do it the way, I'm gonna submit to the process that God's gonna lead me through. So as we have a revelation of the kingdom, well, there's no shortcuts. Sin is a shortcut. It's a good desire pursued the wrong way. And so Jesus is leading us down this path of picking up our cross and following him every day. And when we do that, like Jesus, the kingdom comes. So Jesus, in, his, in, in the gospels, all of the gospel writers, they start off Jesus' ministry with some version of this. Repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Mark says the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Luke says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because this is why I was sent. So how does Jesus preach the gospel? What is the gospel? It's good news. He preaches the good news of the kingdom. That's how Jesus preached the gospel. So if Jesus preached the gospel that way, we probably should pay attention to how he's doing it and take some cues from that. I, I, I want to put up this image here as a good um, example of what Jesus is doing. So Jesus is the one who initiates, right? He is the creator. So Jesus initiates and he establishes his kingdom. And when he does, he proclaims that his kingdom is here. He's making this proclamation. So that's Jesus' part in this process. And then we are given the opportunity to respond. So what did he say? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So it's a cycle of grace. So, so the cool thing is, is that Jesus has established his kingdom, but you know what he's also saying? He's saying part of the way I am continuing to establish my kingdom is by you participating in it. So it's not just Jesus over here doing his thing. He's saying, Say, come on, get, get in the circle. We got some work to do, right? So I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna hear the message. I'm gonna believe in my heart. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna repent of my sins. I'm gonna go a different way. I'm gonna believe that Jesus is king and that his kingdom is here. And it's gonna lead me through obedience to then do what? To proclaim the kingdom through the way I'm living with my life and through my words, and you know what that does? It continues, and then we just stay in that cycle. And so, hey, I, I, I mess up, I fall short, so guess what I'm gonna do again? I'm, gonna re I'm back to repentance. And then I'm not staying there, woe is me, no, right? No, I'm getting back, and I'm, I'm getting faith. I'm stirring up faith in my heart, and I'm believing, and then I'm going back to proclaiming the kingdom, Amen. all right? So I'm living in this cycle, and sin is trying to get me out of this cycle, all right? So you need to do everything in your power and you need to get people around you to stay in the rhythm of God's grace here. All right? 
whatever it takes. I'm in, I'm in the dance of the graces here and I'm not getting out. And when I do, I'm gonna get back in as fast as I can. Run to worship, run to prayer, run to community. Amen? That's what Jamie tells me. I'm serious. I'm serious. And so, do you get that though? It's not, that, it's not just that Jesus, he has established his kingdom, but it's, it's the fact that he is establishing it through us participating in it. Like otherwise, it would have been over. The end of the world would have come when Jesus came. He's saying, no, it's not over. That's the mystery, right? It's now and not yet. It's not over. You have a part to play in the kingdom coming. If you don't get anything else today, you have a part to, the kingdom is near and you have a part to play in it coming. If you don't get anything else, take that. Just take that with you today. Okay, sorry, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about this. So, um, so Jesus makes this initial proclamation, but he doesn't just leave it there. He begins to help us to know how to walk this out. And that's what we call the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. And right out of the gate, what does he do in, in chapter five? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the what? The kingdom of heaven. First line in the Sermon on the Mount, kingdom of heaven. And then he starts talking about the Pharisees and he says, uh, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So you can't do it on your own. Your righteousness isn't gonna carry the day, but mine will. And then he gets into Matthew chapter six. Jason did a great job uh, preaching about the kingdom, uh, the Lord's prayer. And what it's saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's the direction of the kingdom? This way, it's coming, it's coming down. And so we get to grab heaven and we get to pull it down, all right? And so when we're, when we're in tough situations, what do we do? I'm gonna grab the kingdom, I'm gonna pull it down. When I'm having a hard time, I'm gonna get some friends around me and what are we gonna do? We're gonna start praying, we're gonna start grabbing pieces of heaven and we're gonna start bringing it down. All right, so when we say we wanna be a thin place between heaven and earth, that's just not some nice, fun, trendy church saying, no, we're trying to live that out. We're trying to say, no, Jesus has given us authority. He's given us the keys to the kingdom, so why don't you use them? Don't leave the keys in your pocket. Go turn the ignition, people. The car is out there. Are you gonna drive it, or are you just gonna let it sit there? Okay, sorry, sorry, I'm just getting fired up. Y'all get me fired up. Don't do that. Uh, all right. So where is heaven? It's where God's kingdom is. And so, man, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and, 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 and he is ruling and reigning, and he's inviting us into bringing his kingdom through the place of prayer. And then uh, Jesus does all this teaching, right? And then in Matthew chapter 10, he says, all right, now it's time to go. It's, time, it's go time. And he says, uh, he sends out the, the disciples. Uh, as you go, proclaim this message. Guess what he's about to say? The kingdom of heaven is near. I've said it once. I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna keep saying it. <laughs> Why did he keep saying this? Because he wanted them to get it. It was important enough for him to keep repeating it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. 
okay? So we receive the kingdom, Jesus teaches us about it, and then we start proclaiming it to the world around us. And so while Jesus has established his kingdom and rule in the present, he has also established it for all eternity, which means that the kingdom of God is not yet. Matthew 13 is an incredible chapter, and it's a bunch of parables of Jesus saying the kingdom of God is like. Uh, Matthew <laughs> chapter 13 is not an easy chapter to understand. Um, and I felt a little bit better because the disciples themselves come to him and they say, why are you talking in parables? <laughs> I just, I found that was funny. Uh, uh, like, why, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, nobody is understanding you. Like, why are you speaking this way? And uh, I, I think he, but he knew what he was doing, right? Yes. Like, it wasn't an accident. And so he describes the kingdom as a, a seed sown on the path, uh, rocky places, thorns, and good soil. He describes the kingdom of God as like wheat and weeds harvested at the same time. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and yeast worked into the dough. The kingdom of God is a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of God is a fisherman sifting through the good and bad fish. The kingdom of God is like an owner who brings out of his house new and old treasures. Each of these parables describe the kingdom as coming, but also as the kingdom is something that we enter into and will enter into. There's mystery there. There's tension there. And so it inherently involves an understanding of eschatology, right? Uh, understanding of how God is going to wrap up the story. Uh, and so we live in light of the fact that Jesus is, uh, he is, he was, he is, and he is to come. Uh, we need to, so in order for us to understand the kingdom now, we have to understand what he's going to do in the future. Uh, Matthew 24 and 25 are deeply eschatological uh, books, and I'll let Jim preach on that because uh, uh, it's yeah, there's some crazy stuff in Matthew 24 and 25. Uh, but uh, go read that. Go read the book of Revelation, and uh, let me know uh, what it means. Uh, and then, but I'm gonna I'm I'm just playing. But uh, I'm just gonna read Matthew 24:14. It says, "And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations." and then the end will come. I don't know how it's all gonna work out. I just know that the kingdom is gonna be proclaimed to the entire world, and then the end will come. And so we can be at peace and at rest in that. So what do we do in the middle, uh, living in the middle of the now and the not yet? Well, I think it's important that we acknowledge and embrace uh, tension, the tension here. Um, instead of just ignoring it, I think we need to acknowledge it. And, and tension is actually a really good thing when leveraged properly. If you've ever been on a sailboat, um, <clears throat> you'll know that like the, the ropes, there's ropes everywhere and you need proper tension in all the ropes so that when the wind hits the sails, it can like, you don't want no tension because then the, the sails are just flopping around. It can be really dangerous actually. But you don't want so much tension that uh, it's, all the tension is one spot. You want that tension equally spread so that when the wind hits the sails, it's gonna propel the boat forward and there's gonna be, you can have the ability to direct the boat where you wanna go. Um, and so tension in and of itself is not a bad thing. 
And we need to learn how to live in the tension so that we can move forward in what God is calling us to do. So Jesus is teaching us uh, that the kingdom is multifaceted. It's both a person himself and a process. It's, it's a proclamation, a repentance, and belief. It's a reign, both present and to come. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And the Pharisees thought it was an either or. The Romans thought it was an either or. And so they missed Jesus. The son of the living God that they were looking for was standing right in front of their face and they missed him. Like, what? Like the physical Jesus in the flesh was standing right in front of them and they missed him. How did they... How did they do that? The Pharisees literally asked Jesus the question, when the kingdom of God would come, and Jesus replies, the kingdom of heaven is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. I'm right here. I'm right here. Jesus is right here today. He's right here. He's in our midst. Are you awake? So unlike the disciples, uh, the, uh, the Pharisees didn't buy it, and they don't respond with worship, faith, and surrender. So it's not enough to know the story. The Pharisees knew the story, and yet they still missed Jesus. They knew all the prophecies, and they still missed Jesus. It's not enough to know the story. You have to connect the story to the person of Jesus. It's revelation followed by response. You think that you're going to find life in the scriptures, but yet you refuse to come to me. Jesus is calling us to come to him today. If you don't know what to do, if you don't understand it all, just come to Jesus. Just draw near to him. They lacked eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. As I mentioned in Matthew 13, the disciples are asking Jesus, why do you teach in parables? And I thought it was important for us just to read this passage. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. In turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. You guys are blessed. You're blessed because you've heard this revelation of the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus. 
And so my prayer today is that we would have ears to hear, that we would have eyes to see, and that our hearts would not be hard, but they would be soft and good soil to receive the word of God. You guys can stand as we move into ministry time today. As I was praying, uh, as the worship team comes up, the ministry team comes forward. As I was praying, I felt like the Lord uh, gave me this picture. And it was of somebody that was like asleep. And it was like coming up to them and, 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 and shaking them and be like, all right, you awake? Like, you're, you're alive, but, but are you awake? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John were there, but they weren't awake. They were alive, but they weren't awake. Maybe today you need to come into the kingdom for the first time. Jesus is saying, I'm I'm here, the kingdom is near, come to me. Maybe you've known and been around Jesus for a long time, but you've been asleep. And he's coming to you and he's saying, are you awake? I'm here. Wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up. It's time to wake up, beloved. Time to wake up. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. So where are there competing kingdoms in your life? It's time to let them go. It's time to let them go. I don't need your kingdom to come, Lord. I don't just need you to come. I need you to take over. In the safest place is in God's, under the shelter of God's wings. It's the safest place. You want to the safest place you can be? It's under the shadow of his arms, where his kingdom rules and reigns. It's the best place. It's the most joyful place. It's the freest place. It's the most life-giving place. Don't believe the devil's lies. Don't believe his lies. There's not life there. There's not life there. And so, Jesus, we need a revelation of your kingdom. We need a revelation of your, we need eyes to see. We need ears to hear and we need hearts to respond. So this morning, uh, our ministry team is here. If you need to come into the kingdom or if you've been asleep to the kingdom and you just need to wake up today, come get them to pray for you. If you need to just come down here and get on the front, get on your face, get on your knees. Just say, come, just say, come. If you don't have words, just say, come. And let's respond to the Lord today because his kingdom is here.